Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Hart. And I'm Alexa. Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. So how are you? Like, what's going on with you? I haven't seen you in a while. You haven't seen me since we were sitting on the couch ten minutes ago? No. Okay. I mean, I guess that's been a while. Um, I mean, I'm over here now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot has changed. I have a drink now. Cool. That's that's different. Um, I bought a really expensive cactus this week. You did. You did. It's what glorious. kind of a cactus? It's it's like a forbessy. Forbessy. Yeah, like it's, it's a for serious Bessie? serious forbessy or forbessy. Like I know I'm not saying it right. I, I I am actually not familiar with the Latin nomenclature on on the cacti. I saw it and thought it was really pretty because it's spirally. It is very pretty. I have. You did show it to me, and it is it is very spiral-esque. I have a lot of plants, and like I keep gathering them, and I'm like, this is going to be the last one. This is the last one. But no. No, I mean this one. This one. This one's definitely going to be the last one. You can never have too many, because like, it's another living thing you have to take care of. And mm-hmm. if you have many diverse things you need to take care of with various needs mm-hmm. uh different watering levels and one is dying and one is thriving and one mm-hmm. is growing too quickly it's like a lot of anxiety and stress yeah so yeah. it adds something to your day it's like a little surprise mm-hmm. surprise one of your plants is dying yeah it's fun it's fun this is fun <laughs> this is fun <laughs> <clears throat> this is fun it's fun it's all fun yeah. We're, we're fun. We're having fun. Having so a I'm, great time. So I am currently drinking the rest of the palate cleanser alcohol. I wouldn't call it a palate cleanser no, this anymore. Is, <laughs> no. <laughs> this is, this, this, this alcohol ended up, so the, the movie that we did uh, was a lot more fun, but the, uh, the, the alcohol is a uh, Costco pre-mixed margarita. Um, and, uh, the alcohol itself was less of a palate cleanser and more of a palate tainter. Um, you can never taste anything other than strawberry it's, margarita. Yeah. For the it's rest just of your like, life. it is, it is like licking a strawberry stick of gum that's wrapped around an electric fence. But you're still drinking it. I am. (laughs) I am because I'm because I'm a masochist like that. Apparently, (laughs) you have voluntarily drank Everclear in the past. No, never Everclear. Devil Springs. No, we did buy Everclear before. Oh yeah, we did. We did buy Everclear one time. (laughs) (laughs) We did. You created a drink that you call the Storm Drain. I did call it a Storm Drain. And it's, it was gross. It's the it, grossest it, okay, color. It looked gross because it, it looked was, like actual sewer it looked, water. It looked like dishwater. So it's, it's terrible. Everclear Diet Coke triple second orange juice. It actually tastes decent. It takes like at least ten years off your life. Yeah, I'm but... fairly certain it takes actual time off of your life, and you could probably actually use it to like clean your car engine block, but like. It, it it looks like dirty dishwater, um, but it, it it actually didn't taste that bad. But yeah, I I it, you do sacrifice a little bit of dignity. A little. <laughs> a little. <laughs> <laughs> I did see uh, floating around on the internet today. I did see that uh, Four Loco uh, is now selling like three seventy five like little like plastic jugs of Four Loco, and they call it the Four Loco like pregame. 
Okay, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's only acceptable. There's a very short window of your life where you can drink Four loco without sac- sacrificing dignity. Um, it's like between when you start your freshman year and mm. when you're midway through it. Yeah, actually, Because by yeah. the time you've like you've gone home for Christmas and you come home and you're drinking Four loco, there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. When you should have learned school, at least by then. When I, back in my day, like in 2011, <laughs> when I was a freshman in college, Four Loko still had caffeine in it. So well, no, it, it still has caffeine. It, they lowered the alcohol content. Okay, it still had full strength alcohol and caffeine. So yeah. if you were doing it, you were doing it to get fucked up. And I do remember this one guy that was at the house party, like where you couldn't see anyone. It was so dark. Mm-hmm. Had a backpack of Four Locos that he was just handing that's, out. That's too many. It was That's too, too many. many. I do. I I have a distinct rem- memory of like when when we found out that they were changing it. Like we all like went out and got it, um, and like I just I remember like had only had that and then like maybe like one other beer in the night. It was like a Thursday or something like that, um, and I just remember like just kind of like sitting on my couch and watching Rocky movies until like four o'clock in the morning <laughs> because I was because I, I was like not tired but also kind of buzzed and it was a pretty pleasant buzz for most of the night like because it, it, it's pretty strong so it keeps going but like yeah I mean like I think everybody else just kind of fell asleep because there was so much sugar in it like <laughs> I'm, I, I'm apparently immune to the, the, the insulin effects of it, at least. At least original strength. That's yeah, amazing. So original strength used to be 18% ABV. They dropped it to like 14%, but kept all the caffeine. That's still a shitload. It's still a lot. That's still a <laughs> yes, lot. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I well, never realized it, it was that high. Yes. 18% is like borderline like light liqueur uh, in terms of like, yeah, like you're approaching like triple sec or like uh you know even like uv vodka like kind of borders in that area but you think of even the heaviest beer mm-hmm. is going to top out like at like 13 tw- like 12, 12 13 yep yep what kind of irreversible <laughs> damage was done to our livers for loco hey it might be a good idea to fight that kid <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he wants to fight he looks like he wants to fight <laughs> Oh, okay, so wow. so well, so we we're going from like the trashiest of trash uh. to like probably actually one of the best chapters that we've done so far in mm-hmm. The Witcher. Um, we are starting Sword mm-hmm. of Destiny. Destiny, 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 Destiny. Sorry. I don't know why I'm saying it like Wheel of Fortune, but it seems like it needs like no, some needs, sort of upward inflection. Yeah, it needs like a reverb pedal or something like that, like. Sword of Destiny. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to come out in in post production. I but have we'll, no clue. We'll, we'll figure we'll, it out. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, I'll leave that to you, hon. You can. <gasps> Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Go nuts. You do. You do. You, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I great. love you and appreciate you. So the first chapter of Sword of Destiny is the Bounds of Reason, mm-hmm. and it is a pretty well known chapter. It was one of the adaptations in season one mm-hmm. of Netflix's The Witcher. Probably one of my favorite episodes, too. It's a lot it's of a fun. It's a good episode. There are some little differences, and we'll get into those, but 
I think this is a really fun story. It's a yeah, it is a lot of fun for a number of reasons. It has a lot of your favorite characters, mm-hmm. like a lot of cameos from people. The people gang's that, all here. People that end up being sort of important later on. Mm-hmm. Um, some fan favorites. Yeah, we'll yeah, say. yeah. But yeah, I en- I enjoy this chapter. I liked reading it a second time. It made way more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I caught a lot of the small things because the first time you're reading you're never really like reading for theme and for like the author's intention Mm -hmm. but then when you're going back for like a second and third reading oh yeah you sort of thing that implies that something else is going to happen down the line Mm -hmm. yeah yep yep yes um so should we get into the summary yeah yeah why don't we why don't we dive right in okay so we dive in at the beginning of any good D &D campaign Mm -hmm. in a tavern uh, no. Wait, what? I thought it wasn't. We are, the people are gathered. The townspeople are gathered around oh, yeah, a yeah. whole. It's the, so it's the end of the previous campaign. Well, I, I would just say that you have began a campaign the yes. same way. Yes. Um, so there is a hole in the ground and a couple of townspeople are just sort of standing around mm-hmm. it, um, looking down folding their arms Mm. like seems like they've been waiting for a while and uh one townsperson says to the other i think he's dead Mm -hmm. and the other man who is the alderman probably Mm. the town leader said i think we should wait a little bit longer Mm. and the other guy is sort of like well He's already dead. And so we should just like go ahead and leave and Let's oh, just distribute his stuff. He has like some nice stuff here. He has like this nice horse and he has like a couple mm-hmm. of like cool things. Let's just like, you know, assume he died because it is a yeah, basilisk. Yeah, he's probably dead. Uh, so whoever went down the well is fighting a basilisk and um, he didn't take a mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a sword. Mm-hmm. That's all we know about him. Yeah. We can probably guess who is the man in the well, mm-hmm. but say is not telling us just no, yet no. well and also like this is the intro to uh, the new book so like mm-hmm. it's kind of a little bit more fun you, you figure most people have been waiting for this and like you know you don't want to necessarily like oh maybe it isn't Geralt maybe he started with a new character or something like that anyways go every book sort of begins in this way mm-hmm. you you're in a new situation and then you just have to figure out where you're going to find the characters mm-hmm. and that's what makes it really effective writing mm-hmm. yep. um is that you're sort of like oh how is this going to get back to like the people i really care yeah, about yeah 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 um but yeah so man in the hole um is fighting a basilisk uh the townspeople are clearly kind of ready to make off with his things mm-hmm. when out in the distance a man approaches a stranger Mm -hmm. approaches um and he has two warrior women with him Mm -hmm. they're like if you saw game of thrones i know no one likes the sand snakes Mm -hmm. but i kind of picture them that way i I liked the sand snakes they were fun a lot of people didn't they're my only problem with them was that their plot line just didn't go anywhere that's a that's writing's fault. Yeah. Um. So warrior women mm-hmm. with a uh, you know long dark hair, sort of vaguely Middle Eastern. We have mm-hmm. no clue um what the other continents are. They're mm-hmm. just sort of the other place. Yeah. Um. And the man says, "I wouldn't do that if I were you. I wouldn't try to take that man's belongings." Mm-hmm. And um, the man who is sort of instigating this yeah. burglary is like. Oh, yeah? Well, I've got, like, all my friends in the crowd, and, like, mm-hmm. I think that we can do whatever we want. And so there's a couple of, like, um, like strong men who sort of emerge, mm-hmm. and they have weapons. 
And all of a sudden, a guy crawls his way out of the Mm -hmm. hole in the ground. And he tosses a basilisk, Mm -hmm. very dead, very big, Mm -hmm. um, at the alderman's feet, who the alderman didn't want to steal his things. But even so, he was like not going to stop the guy who was. Mm -hmm. Um, And Geralt's like, okay, I gave you the basilisk. Where's Mm -hmm. my pay? Um, and then he sort of puts together really rapidly, oh, you guys were trying to steal my things. Yeah, yeah, like, uh-huh, I see what's happening. Uh-huh. This is probably something that's happened to Geralt yeah. a lot in the past. Down While I'm down in the hole, everybody starts, like, pawing through my stuff. But nevertheless, everyone's super nice right now because oh, yeah. he just uh, emerged with a... <laughs> and he just killed a basilisk. Okay. Right. <laughs> so uh, they, they toss him the money that was promised and... Uh, they're like, no belongings were touched, so we're all good. Mm. And like, even the mastermind is like, I'm just going to go on my merry way. And uh, Geralt is like, cool, because you didn't p- touch my belongings, then you can go. Mm-hmm. And so um, they start to leave. And the, the guy that was the instigator that was about to beat up the stranger mm-hmm. um, is leaving. And the stranger turns to him and says, wait, friend, like you pulled a knife you on me. You pulled a knife on me. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to let you go. And one of the the women, the warrior women, um, toss a knife at him, behead him Mm. really handily. Um, And Geralt is not phased by this. And he immediately introduces himself to the stranger. And he's like, thanks for helping me out. Mm -hmm. He realizes that it's due to them that he even still has his stuff. And uh, the man's like, no problem. And Mm. uh, Geralt introduces himself. Hi, I'm Geralt of Rivia. Mm -hmm. And... uh, the man, the stranger, introduces himself as Borch, or three jackdaws. Mm. He has a crest on him. He's clearly a member of nobility. Mm-hmm. And, we may uh, refer to him as either Borch, three jackdaws, or three JD. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of names, mm-hmm. so <laughs> we'll get names. to that. Um, real quick aside for anyone, I'm sure most of our audience probably knows what a basilisk is, but uh, it is a big mythological lizard Um with look depending on your mythology looks kind of like a komodo dragon or something similar or a big snake uh its vision or it's uh if you lock eyes with it uh you're turned immediately into stone Mm -hmm. um it's basically a medusa mixed with a komodo dragon anyways carry on i remember in one D &D campaign you actually had um one of the players mm-hmm. had like high animal husbandry, mm-hmm. so she befriended. I was not the expecting that. <laughs> as, as the DM. I was not expecting uh, her to like tame the basilisk, but it was technically like a. So it was the equivalent of like the the guard dog of the dungeon, yeah. by the big wizard who set up the dungeon. Um, so I mean, like it was kind of tame already. So yeah, she. I think she wrote it, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. actually put a saddle on it and wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, in my version, uh, the thing was like 30 feet tall. So, like, that was all just riding it alone was kind of a big feat. But, anyways. Good times. Yeah, yeah. Why, one of the reasons why D&D is always fun. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Geralt turns to the warrior women and he's like, These two are Zeracanians. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Um, Zeracanians are vaguely Middle Eastern, African, um, known for their warriors. Apparently, women warriors are a thing. Mm-hmm. Three Jackdaws says, "Yep, you're exactly right." Kind of, I kind of picture the the girls from Black Panther. Yeah, is kind of kind yeah. of the visual that I always that I've been I was getting from the chapter. 
and uh, three jackdaws introduces them as Taya and Vea. Mm -hmm. And he says that's not their real names, but they're that's their Starbucks names because mm -hmm. no one can yeah, get their yeah, actual yeah. name right. Yeah. Um, and so with that, um, three jackdaws is like, we're going to a pub called the Pensive Dragon. Mm. Would you like to accompany us? Fantastic pub name. Uh, yeah, like we're going to get some food, we're going to get some beer, and Geralt is sort of confused a little bit and realizes there's some sort of other agenda. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know I'm a witcher, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Three Jackdaws is like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's no big for me. And Geralt's like, most people would rather like have a drink with a leper than a witcher. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Three Jackdaws is like, some people prefer sheep to girls. So, I mean, like, people think a lot of stupid yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with that, they're off to the Pensive Dragon. Mm -hmm. Which we may steal that for something. I love future. that name. <laughs> I love that name, yeah. We the... may may each steal that for, like, a side project or something. I love yeah. it. Um, yeah, the dragon theme is really clear here. Yeah, yeah. You always a... know what direction yep. we're going yep. in, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a, the, the, the imagery is a little heavy in this chapter, but it, I kind of love it because it's just fun. Yes, so we rejoin Geralt, Three Jackdaws, and Taya and Vea. They're at the pub, mm -hmm. and, uh, Three Jackdaws is just ordering up a storm. He orders, like, an actual, like, table of food. He's like... Hey, uh, pub owner, what do you got? Like, we want like a keg of beer. Mm -hmm. We want keg. something sour, something salty. Not a lot, you know, just a little bit because we're spending time mm -hmm. um, in conversation. We just want like a little something to keep us. Yeah, we're just looking for a light snack and then like a whole to order lamb, like, a, like yeah. you know, entire lamb. You, six you had that of seafood cheese. soup last time I was here. Can you please bring that? Like a, a whole a vat, vat of it of seafood soup. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so so they order all this food. Mm -hmm. Money is not an object for three jackdaws. Mm -hmm. He just has money like rolling out of his pockets. He, he literally throws the, uh, the the innkeeper like twenty gold coins, and he's just like, just that's just because. That's not even like part of the bill. It's not like, even in advance. Just yeah, that's just a tip like early. Yep. Um, yeah. So the innkeeper is having the best day he's ever oh, had. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, exceedingly yes, happy. I will get you whatever you yep. want. <laughs> So um, in that way, Three Jackdaws sort of begins discussing possibly hiring Geralt for mm -hmm. things. He doesn't say like straight up, I want to hire you for this thing. He says, oh, so you're a witcher. Like mm -hmm. a witcher requires you to travel to the ends mm -hmm. of the world for mm -hmm. a job. So if someone were to offer you a job, mm -hmm. you might go and travel to mm -hmm. a place for them. Like you take commissions, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And Geralt's like, I guess, I mean, it's... It, certainly depends on the job mm -hmm. and uh the price i mean that's an object because mm -hmm. as a sorceress acquaintance of mine <laughs> used to say one has to live right gee i wonder who he's referring to yep um and with this three jackdaws gets into a bit of a philosophical moment mm -hmm. and uh this is a very good drinking conversation oh yeah yeah um, so he starts talking about chaos versus order. Mm -hmm. And what side do you fall on? Mm -hmm. You know, order is everything good in the world. Chaos is what threatens it. And there always has to be, like, order always has, has to defend against chaos. Mm -hmm. And as a witcher, you stand on the side of order. 
And Geralt never wants to admit mm. that he stands on one side or the other. Mm. Even though he actually does. Even though we would clearly categorize him on the good side. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a Jedi, not a Sith. Mm-hmm. But he would never consider himself on any side, you mm-hmm. know? There's always going to be a conflict between Geralt's stated neutrality and the agendas of others. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. echoes things that have been said in the lesser evil Mm. where he he refused to pick a side until he absolutely had to Mm. further Geralt says that not everyone can be put in those two categories yeah yeah. like not everyone can be put into good or evil like where does the farrier in town fit Mm -hmm. where does the innkeeper fit Mm -hmm. not everyone is like in this fight Mm-hmm. So how can we categorize everyone? Mm-hmm. So Three Jackdaws says, Geralt, you're no farrier. Mm-hmm. You're clearly someone extraordinary. Yeah. You're a witcher. By, you know, circumstance, if not by birth, you're someone that's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And so with that, he sort of transitions into, so like, what do you think about dragons? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, if you were to hypothetically run into uh, some dragons, <laughs> would you uh, be duty bound to uh, murder them? Just yeah. asking for a friend. That, that's essentially what he's bringing up. And uh, Geralt says, "I don't kill dragons, but dragons are clearly on the side of chaos. Yeah, they are the yeah. most chaotic beings I could think of. They're they're on my radar. Yeah, but he doesn't go out and kill them. Uh, he'll kill like dragonoids, like fork tails." Uh, dragon-like creatures. However, dragons are just not his bag. Three Jackdaws says, really? I mean, like, dragons are the most bestial Mm -hmm. and the most uh, monstery monsters that ever monstered. (laughs) I'm really confused why you wouldn't have, like, at least a few on your trophy list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Geralt, again, reiterates, that's really just not my thing. Like, from an economic standpoint, I could see why it wouldn't be super beneficial for him to go after dragons because he needs something that he can wipe out in a day. He's not going to do a Mm multi-day trek with other people, and it clearly seems that this is a group activity. Yeah, they are very high-risk, high-stakes type being type thing. You need a party. You need you need experience. You this is not getting roof rats out of your you know out of your uh, <laughs> out of your attic. This is legitimately like there is a bear living in your basement. Like, how are you going to deal with this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a hyper intelligent bear living in your basement, <laughs> and it's stealing all of your neighbors' valuables. As Three Jack Dawes is asking more questions, Geralt is like, "You're really interested in dragons, aren't you, bro?" Yeah. Why do you keep bringing up dragons? Do you do you have like, are you are you into dragons? Like, is that your is that your thing? Like, okay. Three Jack Dawes is like, oh, it's pure curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have a friend. Yeah, and this gets into there are several types of dragon. Mm-hmm. So there are green dragons, which are actually sort of a green grayish. Mm -hmm. They're the most common. Yeah, yeah. So even though dragons are still not super common, if you see one, it's most likely Mm -hmm. a green dragon. Yep. The red ones are actually brick red. Mm -hmm. The uh, dark brown, well, the black dragons are actually a dark brown. Yeah, yeah. And there are actually white dragons. They're the rarest. Mm-hmm. Geralt's never seen one, but apparently they live in the far north. Mm-hmm. And Three Jackdaws is like, you're forgetting one. Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, golden dragons don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, Three Jackdaws is like, so you've never seen white dragons either. How can mm-hmm. you say that golden dragons don't exist? Mm-hmm. And Geralt says, I know it because golden dragons are fable. They're yeah, yeah. they're like they're a fairy tale. Yeah, uh, he compares it to the to a phoenix. Right. He's saying that they're too good to be true, mm-hmm. honestly, because. They're, they're born out of a yearning, out mm. of a dream. People would love to see golden dragons because mm. it would mean that there's something fantastic in this world yeah, where yeah. so many monsters exist, right? You know, this sort of gets into the heart of their discussion about, like, what is the nature of truth? Mm-hmm. You know, like, just because you haven't seen mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. Three Jackdaws sort of plays devil's advocate here, and he says, every myth, every fable must have some roots. Mm-hmm. Something lies along those roots. So even if it's a fantastic tale, mm-hmm. there must be something that triggers it. This is where Geralt says that the only thing that, like, there are no limits to possibility or chance is a fable. Mm-hmm. So this is a theme that will come up again and again. Mm-hmm. The limits to possibility or chance. Mm -hmm. What is the limit to possibility? Like, where does that exist? Yeah. Three Jackdaws posits, maybe there was once a golden dragon and it was like a one-time mutation. It was Mm -hmm. a special thing. Geralt kind of moodily says, it met the fate of all mutants. It differed too much to endure. Mm -hmm. He's being a little emo, but that kind of makes sense for him because he is a mutant. As mutants, you experience a lot of persecution, either by society or by people hunting you because Mm -hmm. you're so rare. Yeah. And so he says here, only myths and fables do not know the limits of possibility. Mm -hmm. So Three Dakdaws takes a break here. He says he has to go outside. And he says before he leaves, oh, the girls really like you. The whole time when they're having this conversation, Taya and Vea are very interested in Geralt. They've been drinking heavily. They're they're hanging on his every word. So when Three Jackdaws exits for a moment and Taya goes with him, Geralt talks to Vea, which is the other one. Mm-hmm. And he asks sort of out of curiosity, like, why do you ride with Three Jackdaws? You're mm-hmm. free warrior women. You could be doing anything, mm-hmm. essentially. Vea replies, he is the most beautiful. Geralt is really confused, but he sort of chalks it up to, I don't understand women's taste Mm. in men. Yep. So Three Jackdaws returns. He asks for a tug for four people. He asks for like another pitcher of beer Mm -hmm. to be delivered up to his room. He he asks for another keg of beer. And the innkeeper is like, "Uh, no, I can't do that. Uh, How how about a couple of pitchers? Okay, fine. No, no. So... The thing that the innkeeper hems and haws about is, like, finding the tub. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, he just, like, sort of throws, like, a bag of money at him. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, so do you have the, a girl that you prefer? Like, do you do you like Taya or Vea? Like, mm-hmm. which one do you prefer? Which one do you like? And Geralt doesn't answer, but he's basically like, let's go up and get freaky. Let's, let's get weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and we know Geralt likes tubs. Mm-hmm. We do. We do. So after that excursion, mm-hmm. when we next meet Geralt, he is trying to pass through a bridge that mm-hmm. has a lot of armed guards. Yep. And they learn that King Nidimir, um, who is not the king of that region, but he is like a neighboring king. They, they yeah. harp on that point quite a bit because it is important to note uh and i kind of didn't quite pick up on it right away this is not his area like Mm -hmm. he's not supposed to be here this is like it's weird for him to be here like it's unusual he's he's out of technically what is his legal territory kind of thing 
And he set up a barricade Mm -hmm. so no one can get through without a letter of safe conduct. So the guy at the gate is like, look, my boss is over there. Mm -hmm. Um, You can try to go talk to him, but he's not going to let you through without a safe conduct. They go to meet the Jakurion and uh, who is there but Dandelion? Of course. Who else would be there? Where wouldn't Dandelion be there? So the Decurion is just like etching dirty pictures in the sand. He's, he's drawing dirty pictures in the sand, yeah. <laughs> and he's clearly very bored. Yeah. When they meet up with Dandelion, Dandelion's very excited to see mm-hmm. them. And uh, he's sort of like, this guy is not going to let anyone through. I've tried everything. Yeah, he's just yeah. not listening to reason. Three Jackdaws doesn't seem very alarmed by this. Mm-hmm. So he instructs Taya and Vea, we're going to be here a while. Why don't you go to the pub and like yeah, yeah. fetch some beer for us? Dan Blind and Geralt start to um, get into conversation about what's happening. Do you know like where everyone is? Like, mm-hmm. why is this area blocked off? And uh, Dan Blind, he's like, do you want me to tell you what happened in like ballad form? No. And Geralt's like, please, no. God, no. And That's so- Geralt's response, actually. But I think my own response while reading it was, was exactly that as well. Yeah. So Dan Blind is like, it was a soft Sienna sunset. No. <laughs> and like, girls, like, you said you were not going to do this. You said you weren't going to do poetry, but you're doing poetry. And so, in Cliff's Notes version, um, Dandelion says there was a dragon sighted mm-hmm. pretty nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, and Geralt is like, no one's seen a dragon in these parts for years. Which I think is a Hobbit or a, a Fellowship of the Ring reference. There hasn't been a dragon in these parts for decades. Right. So it's very unusual for them to see mm-hmm. a dragon. Yeah. Geralt is confused about this. Upon seeing this, um, because the dragon started like terrorizing the townspeople, it was flying low to the ground. Mm-hmm. Women were doing laundry and apparently like they all got scared, which Dan Lyon said was like really funny to watch them run for their lives. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of a dick statement. Well, we know that Dan Lyon is kind of a dick to begin with, but... The townspeople tried to take matters into their own mm, hands. Mm-hmm. They uh, filled a dead sheep with lots of poison, like deadly nightshade, mm. like a bunch of things. They, and, yeah, they, they literally just took a, a, a sheep, jammed it full of every kind of poison they could think of, come up with, and even some things that like weren't poison. Like they were just like, oh, let's let's throw some rocks in there. Let's yeah. uh, let's throw some uh, <laughs> some whatever. So there, the cobbler, the town cobbler, mm. also known as Sheepbagger, was the one that was uh, organizing Sheep this. Guy. Introduced to, we are introduced to like my favorite character of this entire chapter, and you'll see why going through this. The sheep poison guy. He's great. He's fantastic. I love him. So, yeah. So they they take the sheep filled with poison, mm-hmm. um, and they prop it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the Dan- middle of the flock, <laughs> Dan's line was like, "It smelled really bad. Like no one thought that no nope. <laughs> the, the bait, but the dragon did. The dragon took it. And uh, so it didn't really work as they intended. Mm-hmm. The dragon eats the sheep that's very poisoned, mm-hmm. and it just gives it indigestion. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, it knocks out for a little bit until some people walk over to it. It sort of like poops and burped out smoke yeah they did actually they did actually talk about and uh so dandelion said 
we we sent like or the townspeople sent two of the uh, least valuable members of the community. Apparently, like they sent the village idiot mm-hmm. and like the guy that no one likes. The assistant over. to the village idiot. <laughs> <laughs> assistant to the regional village idiot. Yeah. Um, over to check if the dragon's really dead, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a great idea. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's a reason you gotta you got you gotta pick the the genetically weak ones. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bill, you do nothing of value. Why don't, you, why don't you go poke that dragon with a stick and see if it's dead or not? It didn't work out well for our two friends. They our got two intrepid eight. idiots. They got eight real bad. Yep, yep. They done got um, eight. And so they, they also say that the dragon actually didn't even devour them. It yeah. It just yep. killed them yep. and just sort of yeeted well, out of there. Ache. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, um, the, the company, let's mm. say, Geralt, three jackdaws, mm. uh, piece together before Dandelion say it that the dragon is over the bridge and mm. that's why King Nidamir has blocked it off. Yep. Because now... Where there's a dragon, there's a horde. Right. They are associated with treasure. Mm-hmm. It's not anything about, like, you know, hunting dragons yeah. for the sake of it. It's yeah. just they have money. They generally Like most have money. things. Yep. Um, so yes, King Nidamir has, uh, gathered all of the local dragon hunters Mm -hmm. and is making, he wants to get this dragon because there is some sort of lore Mm -hmm. where there's a territory he has recently taken over militarily, Mm -hmm. but the princess of the region there, there is this fable that was supposedly made up by some people who really didn't want them marrying. Mm -hmm. Um, that said, if the man vanquishes the dragon, he can have her hand. Mm-hmm. So basically, if he kills this dragon, he gets some legitimacy. Yeah, yeah. King Nidamir brought in, like I said, some of the most renowned dragon hunters. They include um, Eek or Ek Eke? of Denezla. Yep. Um, he is a renowned a, dragon hunter. And he's a knight errant. Um, so we're told that he's a renowned dragon hunter, but we, we're never really seen. We'll get to that. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so Ek of Denezla is the first person that's been summoned. Also, we have the Reavers, which are is a three member like sort of brute band. Mm-hmm. Like they they've hunted a few dragons successfully. Mm-hmm. They're pretty well known for their prowess. And then, of course, you got to have some dwarves. I, I thought the Reavers were the dwarves. Nope. They're two separate people. Okay. They're two separate groups? Yes. Okay. And so you've got the Reavers, and then you've got the dwarves. And the dwarves are led by Yarpen Zegrin, mm-hmm. who is a very renowned dwarf. Yeah. Who we will yeah. see again. Um, Honestly, like a lot of these characters kind of blend together a good bit. Yeah. And I actually think that's why they changed some things up. for the tv series because the first time i read this i actually thought the reavers were the dwarves too yeah yeah and they kind of combine them in the tv show yeah but basically it's a couple of groups of people they kind of yeah they kind of do the the hobbit thing where like Mm -hmm. oh yeah there's eight dwarves but or wait 12 dwarves but like none of them are really that important like you kind of you learn the names maybe at one point, but yeah, there, there's, there's, a lot there's to like three or four of them that stand out, but then the rest of them kind of blend into the background. Go ahead. Um, so of all those people, the person that Geralt likes the least is Ake, 
Ike. Ike. We'll call him Ike just because that's easy to remember. Ike the cat. Geralt really doesn't like Eek because mm. one, he's super religious, mm. and two, he kills monsters and doesn't take any money for it, yeah. which is killing yeah. Geralt's business. Yes. The guard also mentions there was someone who rode through a sorceress. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason he says this is the guard is like, Geralt says, I would bet any day on the Reavers because mm-hmm. they've had success with a bunch of dragons. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 have, they actually have reputation. We've seen it, etc. And the Decurion, uh, the guard, he says, I wouldn't be so sure because dragons are very magical creatures. Mm-hmm. And there was a sorceress who rode through here last night on a, a black steed mm-hmm. and uh, she had a safe conduct letter. So mm-hmm. I would bet on her if I was a betting man. So that sort of piques some interest. And so... Geralt asks about her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, oh, is her hair red? And uh, the Decurion says, uh, no, it's black as coal. Uh, he says that there are three things that he says about this woman, that she's young, comely, and has eyes that make you go all over cold when they look at you. Mm-hmm. So that's what we know about her so far. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they sort of move on to a new subject. They talk about dandelion like why are you here mm-hmm. and dandelion says oh you know me i like to be close to the action mm-hmm. i want to write a song about the dragon mm-hmm. um but i was uh caught up with a, a young widow and uh, he was out cavorting i just missed them the by like one day he slept in a little too late mm-hmm. yep. and so now i'm here and mm-hmm. there's sort of a conversation between dandelion and Geralt, where dandelion is like i thought you weren't interested in dragons mm-hmm. and like Geralt's like i'm not they, they got sort this of, cool sugar daddy who's paying my way, so... I mean, he's got a good thing going. Yeah, yeah, just ride that ride that train till to its weird end. <laughs> um, so finally, the Zeracanians show up with beer mm-hmm. um, and with a new friend who is a, a sorcerer on a giant horse, mm-hmm. it's described. His name is Dor Gray. Um, Geralt and sorcerers don't quite get along. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Um, sorceresses, yes, but sorcerers and mm-hmm. Geralt, just it's oil and vinegar. It's yeah, yeah. I think they're a little bit competitive with each other. Yeah, sorcerers yeah. look down on Geralt, um, so they they're not on the most congenial of terms, and they sort of spar. Uh, but before they spar, um, everyone gets a round of beers on three jackdaws. He's yeah, like, yeah. here, Decurion, like, yeah. have a beer on me. Let's have um, a have a drink to your future successful career. You're gonna be a centurion soon, like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's laying the flattery on really thick. Mm-hmm. Um. So, as they're drinking, Geralt and Dorgray are sort of trading barbs, and uh, Geralt is like, "Oh, so what are you doing here? You're like magician, Peta, like." Mm-hmm. But still, even though you don't want to see any, like, monsters harmed, you still like to collect, like, parts for your potions, yeah, don't you? Yeah, you want to get yeah. a dragon tooth. Yeah. Uh, but too bad because a sorceress companion of yours has already ridden through. And he sort of is not that interested. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, uh, what color horse was she riding? Mm-hmm. And uh, Geralt is like, oh, she had black hair and a, a black seed. It, like, it hadn't really, like, come together for him mm-hmm. in his mind, or at least he wasn't thinking that way. Um, and so Dorgray is like, oh, yeah, that's Yennefer. And Geralt is like, oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so at this point, like, Geralt tries to start making an escape plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
as they're like kind of into their second or third drink at this mm-hmm. point, he sort of offers 200 coins, the mm-hmm. entirety of what he was paid for the basilisk. Yeah, yeah, to... which was not a lot. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't make a bunch of money on the basilisk. He was kind of complaining, but he immediately offers all of that up. Right. To go to get through. Yeah, he's barricade. like, here's your money. And like the Decurion is still like, oh, I couldn't possibly. And uh, three jackdaws is like, Put your money away, girl. So two hundred's not enough. Yeah. But three uh, hundred more. Yeah. Less, uh, Should I keep going? Should I keep going? Am I close? You're really committed to this bit, aren't you? I was. You? I was really committed to that bit. It was starting to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so he also tells like. Geralt, like, your money's no good here. Mm. And plus, like, you're not going anywhere. Geralt mm. is sort of hemming and hawing, like, I should really get going. I told you dragons weren't my bag. Like, I want to leave. And I got to wash my hair. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, trying to, to get away. He's, like, mm-hmm. he's like a cat at this point. Got to get away. Got to yep, get away. Yep. Um, and uh, he gets dragged along anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorgray is sort of sick of the negotiations with this guard. So he just sets a tree on fire. Mm-hmm. With the fireball. Hey, look, he's a like, distraction. Yeah, he's like... It's a he's horse. Like, <laughs> everyone's trying to like really sensitively tiptoe around yeah, it. Yeah. And he's like, fuck this. Set a tree on fire. I don't know. Yeah, the tree ugger ends up uh, setting a tree, setting on, a fire. tree on fire. Yep. The irony is not lost. Yep. Um, so when we rejoin our heroes, uh, they have reached the party that's mm-hmm. hunting the dragon. They're all sitting around the fire. Uh, they're eating marmot. Marmot, yep. Not very it's, tasty. It's, uh, so marmot is a, uh, it's basically a a gopher uh, or right. like a small gopher that lives in a rocky terrain um, in the mountains. I imagine they don't taste great. Uh, I've Probably only had not. a couple other types of rodent. I mean, really, I've only had rabbit and that was like corn fed, farm raised. Yeah. Uh, which is delicious, but I, I imagine they're not i imagine gopher doesn't taste great so the dwarves are complaining a lot about Mm -hmm. their food because dwarves really like food if we are to Mm -hmm. believe like anything we've ever seen them in um so yeah this is not ideal for them Mm -hmm. they're talking about like there's so many people here now like trying to catch this dragon Mm -hmm. there's gonna be like no (sighs) money left no money left we made a proposal to king nidamir Mm -hmm. We want whoever kills the dragon Can to get half of it. Can you believe that the sorcerers are eating venison while well, we have to eat Exactly. Marmot. I don't know if they're actually eating venison, but they they think they are. So Yeah, they're like, "Oh, they're living it up. They're they're in um like mm-hmm. uh, a nice tent. They're not in the cold mm-hmm. like whereas we're like by the fire roughing it essentially so yep. the sorcerers can get what they want." And they really do not like Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. Yennefer is very annoying to them, mm-hmm. mostly because she just rubs them the wrong way. Mm-hmm. They think she's a bitch. They think that she's mm-hmm. like uh, scheming. They don't like that about her. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorgray is also in the tent with her, but they don't seem to mind him quite as much. But I think that's sort of the general thinking of most sorcerers, but especially Yennefer. We really mm-hmm. don't like her. Um, so they start talking about pay. Um, they're saying that like the only time when people argue about the horde is after the dragon's dead. After the dead. dragon's already dead. Yep. So we propose something up front to King Nidamir. 
Um, whoever slays the dragon gets half of the hoard, mm-hmm. and everyone else splits it more or less evenly. Yeah. The king gets a quarter of it just because he's the king, mm-hmm. and everyone else splits what's left, essentially. Yeah. So they're they're still ragging on Yennefer and making little quips here and there. Mm-hmm. She sort of tiptoes up. They were making jokes when they knew she was nearby, and all of a sudden, she's there. Hey, guys talking about me? Yeah, she's mm-hmm. sort of like, hey, um, so I hear y'all are talking about business, mm-hmm. but she's trading barbs with them. Mm-hmm. Yennefer is complaining that... She's not being included in the talking of business. Mm -hmm. The dwarves are saying that, you know, you have the king's ear. You're probably like making your own deals to get half of the fortune. Yennefer, again, echoes our very uh, favorite line in this story, which is there are limits to what is possible. Limits to what is possible. Yep. Yep. We hear that over and over and over and over again in this story. And Yennefer also tells them, like, I know your type so much it makes me sick. Mm -hmm. She really hates everyone at that fire, including Geralt, as we'll soon find out. Uh, Yennefer walks away, sort of with a a very exaggerated, like, walking away. She flounces away. away. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, Dandelion makes a very uncomfortable comment. Like, frankly speaking, she can wiggle her butt as much as she likes. Mm -hmm. Like, this is dirty old man Dandelion in this chapter. Everyone's sitting around the fire, they say like hey where did the witcher go and Mm -hmm. uh they're like oh he probably just went to relieve himself in the woods or something yeah we join Geralt, who is visiting yennefer Mm -hmm. and uh in the distance they can hear dandelion singing one of his ballads Mm -hmm. a popular love ballad which is perhaps appropriate for this meeting Mm -hmm. yennefer is really pissed really pissed (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh she wants to know why Geralt is even here Mm -hmm. Uh, she reveals that it's been years Mm -hmm. since they've seen each other. Mm -hmm. And they were together for a long time before that. He left her in the worst way possible. Mm -hmm. Nothing. He didn't like say goodbye. He ghosted. He just left her some flowers. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't know how you could talk to me after leaving me in that way. Yeah. The implication is that, like, she just woke up one day and he wasn't there in the bed next to her and there were just some flowers kind of thing. Um, Yennefer kind of asks, like, why are you here? And Geralt asks, would you like me to say it's because you're here? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no. And he he tries to smooth things over and he calls her Yen, which is his special nickname for yeah. her. And she's like, don't that, call me that. that. Yeah, nope, that, that mm-mm. <laughs> and like blue and red sparks are shooting from her hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things are not on the greatest of terms. And Yennefer is like, look, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go back to like whatever we had before. I know you were expecting to just come over here and we'd make love in the wagon, but mm-hmm. not going to happen. Like not even close. You're lucky that it's been long enough that I abandoned all my revenge plots, basically. Yeah, yeah. And um, she's like, look, I'm not going to air our, like, dirty laundry in front of all of this company. I'm not going to talk about it in front of the dwarves. But we're not friends. Mm -hmm. Like, let's not pretend we're friends. Yeah, yeah. And she leaves him and Geralt just bursts out laughing. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like in that situation, like... When you run into an ex, they are really angry at you, but mm-hmm. they still care about you. That's at least something. I feel like that's his reaction. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? No, that was kind of about what I got out of it, too. Yeah. 
the, the like laughter is kind of the only way to react to something like that. But anyway, so Yennefer and Geralt not on great terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we next rejoin everyone, they are um, their quest is underway. They're trying to get up a mountain pass. It's very very perilous, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's like there's barely enough room for a horse to get up this like mm-hmm. very steep incline. So Nidamir is riding with everyone. Um, mm. He's a boy king, so mm. he's very young. Yeah, they do mention that he is like 14 or 15. And he's basically um, like the only person who's giving orders is his like hand of the king mm-hmm. sort of person yep. whose name is Gillen Stearn, like a fat old man who sort of uh, thinks that everything should be in its place, kind of. Yep. Uh, no time for the riffraff. Gillen Stearn, um, there's sort of like a revolving... <laughs> stage of characters in this yeah, chapter yeah. um where like people keep riding up to talk to Geralt mm-hmm. the first person to talk to Geralt is Gillen Stearn and he asks Geralt like why are you here mm-hmm. um I've heard some bad things about witchers recently like they they're trying to extort money out of people mm-hmm. they're very desperate so they they try to make these ridiculous demands Geralt is like look I'm just along for the ride mm-hmm. I'm not here to like take anything i just sort of like came here and now i'm like too far gone so i'm not going to try to make any trouble and uh gillen steeran is sort of uh talking about the other characters he's like don't get too close to dorgray because he like really doesn't believe that monsters like should be killed at all Mm -hmm. and that's really annoying me because of course we're going to kill the dragon the Witcher uh, talks about like knowing Druidic theory to him, which mm. is what we we learned. Dorgray is very much a, a subscriber to, or a, yeah. maybe you know a sycophant. We're not really sure, but he really believes in Druidic theory, mm-hmm. the equilibrium theory that everything is sort of it has its place. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, after Yellen Siren leaves, with knowing that the Witcher doesn't want to just cause problems, Dorgray rides up. The Witcher and, and Dorgray are talking about Druidic theory. They're talking about equilibrium. Uh, Dorgray's basic theory is that everything's in equilibrium. So when a monster kills a human, that's just part of the universe and nature, like mm-hmm. acting to cancel each other out. Like mm-hmm. everything is a check on each other, essentially. Geralt is very offended by this. He says, I want you to talk to someone who's had a family member or a child killed by a basilisk. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to look them in the eye and tell them it's just equilibrium. And at this point, Yennefer butts into the conversation and she's like, that's a very good argument, Geralt. And she rides in between Dorgray and Geralt. Dorgray sort of has some contempt for her. And uh, Yennefer seems to believe that dragons are not just a big threat to humans, but perhaps the greatest evil and threat to humans. Geralt disagrees with this, and so does Dorgray emphatically. So Yennefer sort of goes more into detail. She's like, think about it. The greatest key to the survival of human beings is fecundity, mm-hmm. the ability to have a kid and the life cycle of Humans is that they can only have one child per year. So when you have a dragon, that can wipe out the entire village and women can no longer give birth and they've, like, the whole town has basically been wiped out. Mm. Dorgray quips back, like, Yennefer, if you're so interested in fecundity and, like, people being able to have babies, why don't you go have a baby? And that really stings, Mm. Yennefer, because... 
Yennefer, like a lot of sorceresses, is sterile. Geralt, he feels very sorry for her. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, they're still not on great terms. And Yennefer is basically like, don't think just because like I'm acting friendly that we're like, okay. So she rides off. You ask here, are sorcerers sterile as well? I don't really know the they, answer yeah, to that Yeah, I was going to say, and that, that's something that they've never really touched on, at least up until this point, is... Um, so we know that a lot of sorceresses are sterile, mm-hmm. um, but they never touch on whether or not a sorcerer is sterile. I realize I'm kind of asking that into the void here uh, because we don't really have an answer. Um, but it, if if they are, um, then it's it's you know I guess it's kind of just like a jab amongst you know semi peers. Mm-hmm. But if they're not, then it's even more of a you know kind of like a, well I can go have a kid. Maybe you should too. Ha ha ha. But. Yeah. Um, Yennefer says like, oh, don't worry. I'm going to get my revenge on him. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm not going to protect you when the time comes. But anyway, they have sort of a fight. She leaves, um, rides ahead. And finally, the last uh, person on the carousel approaches Geralt, which is three jackdaws. Mm-hmm. Three jackdaws is saying like, you know, seems like you might just be here for Yennefer. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I see something between you. And Geralt sort of, like, he's denying it, mm-hmm. but uh, he's also saying, like, you know, you can clearly see it. There's no need for me to expand further on it. King Nidamir is asking Sheepbagger, who has also accompanied them. Again, mm-hmm. that's the guy that put all the poison in the sheep. Sheep poison guy. Sheep poison guy. Yep. Um... King Nidamir is asking Sheepbagger, like, why are you taking us this way? There's like this flimsy little bridge ahead of us Mm -hmm. that is, it's like a rickety bridge over a deep chasm. Mm -hmm. And it can fit no more than one wagon at a time. Mm -hmm. And he explains, look, there's no real other options. Like, Mm -hmm. I could take you this way, but... You know, it doesn't really take us where we want to go. So really, there's only one way through it. Mm -hmm. And it's this way. Um, So everyone starts to cross. um, And then there's just these really loud noises. There's a sudden landslide. The mountains are rumbling. Mm -hmm. Geralt is about to ride ahead and three jackdaws is with him. And he's like, don't go, stay here. And Geralt is like, what? And he's like, "Uh, you know what? Just go ahead. Maybe it'll be better this way. Mm -hmm. And so he rides ahead. Um, he like basically almost falls off and, um, he's rescued at the very last second by Dora Gray and his horse. But then he sees that Yennefer has fallen off her horse and is in peril suddenly. Mm -hmm. So he, he goes to save Yennefer and, uh, Basically, they're only able to survive because she's like blowing up a large chunk of boulders above them. Mm-hmm. So they they cross the bridge. They're running for their lives, and the bridge is collapsing at the mm-hmm. same time. Um, basically, the planks under them are just like falling off, mm-hmm. um, and they are left to hang on to the side of a cliff. Mm-hmm. And so it's Geralt hanging on for dear life, and Yennefer is hanging on to his waist. Mm-hmm. And at this moment, um, it's kind of the moment of truth. And Geralt is like, Yen, forgive me. And she's like, no, never. Um, so they're, they're basically about to die and she's still not willing to forgive him. Mm-hmm. So, so they think they're going to die. Dan's lion, everyone else on the other side doesn't seem to know what to do. 
And finally, a magic rope knots itself around Geralt's chest and mm. uh, Yennefer and them are pulled over, mm. um, pulled to safety. And so mm. they survive another day. Then we, we meet our party again. Um, we learn that they were only able to save one wagon mm. of the whole party. Eek is starting to quote revelations. Again, that's our uh, knight errant. He's mm-hmm. very religious. And at th- this is the point where we kind of find out that he is like, uh, he's a paladin. Um, he is the lawful good religious kind of temp- knight templar um, who is riding out to, 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 to slaughter the evil dragon. Um, and he starts quoting like all this, all these prophecies uh, from his great book uh, that then explain and talk about the things that he believes that he is currently witnessing to. Yeah, he's saying this is all because we brought the dwarves mm-hmm. and the sorcerer and the witcher, who's mm-hmm. an abomination against nature. Like if we didn't bring those people, then none of that would be happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone's really offended by this. Mm-hmm. He has literally offended absolutely every single person in the camp. Yeah, and he... So Dandelion's mocking him. Um, Dorgray is saying, like, hey, can you, like, chill with the racism over there? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they find out that Ake, Eek, whatever his name is, um, even though he hates witchers and magicians or sorcerers, um was the one that actually saved Geralt yeah. and Yennefer. He, so he hates magic, um, feels it is, you know, an evil work, um, but he was the one that pulled out the magic elven rope that knotted itself around Geralt's chest. Yeah, and uh, Geralt is like, so even though you absolutely hate witchers and all of us, like, abominations you saved us and he's like i didn't save you i tried to save yennefer because Mm -hmm. she's a lady and she could still grow out of this magic thing it wasn't even it wasn't even that because she was a lady it was because she was a kind of okay looking lady oh yeah that's true because she was kind of pretty she had a chance for redemption (laughs) yeah exactly he said like you know she could still give this magic thing up which is very condescending uh and so Yennefer is sort of trolling Geralt a little, even though she's very offended at Eek. And she's like, you should apologize to him. Like, you should stop offending Eek. And he's like, fine, I apologize. Like, sorry. <laughs> like, I'll just take my, like, you know, abomination self and get out of here. Yeah, like, yeah. Bye, everyone, and good riddance. Like, Geralt, yeah, he's saying the dregs leave the company of their own accord because the dregs have had enough of you. I love that quote. (laughs) And then suddenly, dragon. Suddenly, dragon. So there's a dragon ahead in the cairn. Um, But this dragon is a special dragon Mm. because this dragon is gold. Yep. And he's very, very calm. Like, this dragon doesn't seem to be, like, aggressive, doesn't seem to be, like, mm-hmm. waiting to do anything other than just, like, you know. This dragon is just waiting for them. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. just waiting. He's He's got nothing but time. So everyone's sort of freaking out. They're like, what What does this dragon spit? Does he spit fire? I mean, like, I'm, I'm confused. Sheepbagger, of course, is like, well, we could throw a poison sheep at him. We could, we could... We could throw more poison and more sheep. Have you considered a poison sheep? Ha- have you considered it, though? Because it have, worked pretty well. Have you considered... Uh, stay with me here. 
We take a sheep, stuff it with poison. Yeah? Sound good? Sound good? Yeah? Um, Dora Gray says, I will not allow anyone to harm this dragon because I am Peter Guy mm-hmm. and this is all a dragons, really cool dragon. All dragons have a right to exist. It, it's just a, a really interesting like character study because mm-hmm. like everyone has like a different agenda. Even Dora Gray, who seems to be the most altruistic maybe mm-hmm. still has an agenda in yeah this. yeah so the golden dragon then just starts talking to them yeah he introduces himself mm-hmm. as villain treadenmare mm-hmm. which is a great dragon name and uh he says i forbid anyone from traveling through the north pass and yep he talks about the actual geography of the cairn yes. that they're in um and he says like oh, okay you there are three exits from here. Yeah. Um, one to the north, which I will I forbid you from taking. All of the others, you are free to leave of your own accord if you wish. Yep. Basically. Um, the other thing that I'd like to point out, too, here in this point, is that um, dragons don't talk in this universe. No. Even in, even in the mythology of the golden dragons, people didn't know dragons talked. Yeah, so this is very This is wild. Confusing. Yep. Yennefer even remarks, like, he doesn't have, like, vocal cords or any ability to talk. So he's talking through telepathy. Mm-hmm. So this is very magical. Yeah. Um, basically, this would be the equivalent of, like, um, imagine, like, walking out into the middle of the woods, finding a Tasmanian tiger um, that has been extinct for, you know, a hundred-ish years. And it starts talking to you. Yeah. That would be pretty frightening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, this would be this would be unsettling. But still, it, it even though it's prohibiting them, it's very, very calm. Yeah. Um, so while they're fighting, like, about, like, basically who is going to, Who's like, try run. to board him. <laughs> because remember, there is a deal that's on the table, which King Nidamir agreed to, where the person who kills the dragon gets 50%. Mm-hmm. And so uh, villain Treadenmirth is like, I will fight anyone who's willing to just like uh, come at me in like good noble like combat. An he, honorable fair fight. Honorable Con- fair fight. Um, that with means conventional weapons. Conventional weapons, no magic weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, someone asked like, I think Dandelion's like, what's a conventional weapon? What's a conventional weapon? weapon? <laughs> no, it might be Bohold to ask. Yeah. Someone asked that um, of Yennefer, and Yennefer's just like, just a common weapon that's not just, magical. Just, just a pointy thing or a clubby thing. Yes. <laughs> they, they discuss amongst themselves and eke our lawful good uh, he, paladin. He, he straight up starts like chanting his recitations. Um, and Leroy Jenkins right into the dragon. He's like, for the tears <laughs> of virgins. Like, oh, <laughs> yes, actually. Uh, no, it's not For quite... all that's good and holy in the world. He doesn't quite Leroy Jenkins it. He actually, he does start talking about like, I'm going for it. I'm going to, I'm going to get him. And everybody's kind of like, no, wait, don't, 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 don't no. do it. No, no. Actually, let's, let's watch this one play out. <laughs> see, see uh, what happens here. So, so they eek elects himself mm-hmm. um the the first warrior mm-hmm. and he's very very confident in himself yep. there is very little room in his mind for mm-hmm. doubt 
Um, I think it's like 99% like virgin tears and like 1% like yeah. <laughs> hit things with pointy ends. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. really, he's all like virtue and religion up there. So yeah, yeah. He's, um, a, he's a little bit of like Warhammer 40k space Marine kind of, kind of for the emperor and like, you know, purge the heretics and. And so he gets all dressed up in his armor and he's got his lands. He's mm-hmm. all ready to go. And uh, the dragon's like, we also need like, you know, a hype man. We need an announcer. Oh, yeah. You, you got to have a, you got to have a, oh, you got to have a barker or a herald. You, you have, have to a have a herald. Yep. So um, they're like, Dandelion's like, maybe it could be me. Don't make me sing. Don't make me sing. <laughs> I don't want to sing. <laughs> um, and everyone's like, no. No. it's gonna be yarp and zegrin yeah grab one of the dwarves and so he just gives like a great like wwe intro and in this corner we have eek he's a lawful great guy from denesla it's pretty annoying but that's why it's great you're fighting that's why we're sending him out first (laughs) um and so eek is like all confident he's like ready to go he's Mm -hmm. like yeah this is what I've been waiting my whole life yes, for. Yes, I have been training for this. And so Eek mounts his steed. He is about to ride into battle. And the dragon um, sort of gets down like in a, like, you know, pouncing stance. Described as very feline. Very feline. So actually like cat dragon was kind of always like the mental image that I had through a lot of this. Cat dragon, cat dragon, cat, cat dragon, dragon, cat, cat dragon. dragon. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he's getting ready. Also, this is a fair fight, so he can't breathe fire or anything yeah, crazy. He, he, he promised to, Gold Dragon promised to not breathe fire. Mm-hmm. Um, not like one hit anybody kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so Eek gets ready, set, and rides toward the dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, so confidently. Gets his lance ready, is about to strike. And right before he does, the dragon just like, does like a little like just a quick flick like a flick of his of you know like his paw and turns the horse over yeah and eek just like bounds face first Mm -hmm. into the ground yeah and then the dragon like basically eats the horse whole the dragon eats the horse i don't know why we needed to see that i don't know why it was very sad it was very sad r.i.p horse r.i.p um and he just basically smashes like his whole body on eek yeah, yeah, he he, he body slams. Yeah, him. he body slams Eek, and then he takes Eek's lance and actually like shish kebabs his legs. Yeah, uh, with it. Um, so he, and then that's it. <laughs> like it, it's over in like ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm done with this one." Um, uh, so Eek's place. not dead. He's just very, very injured. Yeah, very. He's, he's removed from the battlefield. Um. He's not a threat anymore. And uh, Sheepbagger has a funny comment. He's like, I told you guys I wanted to shove brimstone inside him just to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> we should have stuffed him with poison. Like, I love that one, Trick Pony. I know, yeah. <laughs> when you're a hammer, all of your problems look like nails. Yeah. Uh, what if sheep poison? Yarp and Zegrin is like, oh, fuck. And everyone has that sentiment. Yeah, They're like, yeah. So if Eek, this like highly trained knight, is not able to fight this dragon or even like basically put up a good fight. Like mm-hmm. what about the rest of us? Well, and so like one of the, one of the other things too, is that like, we don't really know that Eek is actually like a great dragon slayer. 
he may have just been like the annoying guy that his order sent out like very true. yeah yeah go go get the dragons there very buddy. true but there's but... not a lot he could have done in that situation especially that like mm. so the reavers and like the dwarves all had this like oh we're gonna like gang up on him yeah, and, and yeah, we're gonna do yeah. like a team effort and that's always how it succeeded it sounds like Eek has slayed some dragons, but it doesn't seem like a great strategy to just like go straight at him. Like, and that's yeah, and that's kind of why I, I I suspect that he may not actually have yeah, done this. You're in probably the past right. You're probably right because his first instinct was to run at them really fast. Yeah. Uh, wow. So when we rejoin mm-hmm. everyone after that trauma that they just witnessed, um. Yennefer is telling the group that Eek got impaled with his own lance mm-hmm. in both legs mm-hmm. and that there's something up with his spine too. Like, Yeah, there's some spine damage there and he maybe might walk, maybe not. I don't know. He's pretty paralyzed. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, so Yennefer is talking to Geralt and she sort of turns up the charm a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he did, like, save her life earlier and, like, you know. She's like, so you know what I would really like is if Mm -hmm. you would kill the dragon Mm -hmm. for me. And Geralt's like, what do you want with this dragon? Like, why this particular dragon? And uh, Yen states, like, there may actually be a cure for that thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my infertility that's like... The thing that, like, we've been really... Ups- I've been really upset about and fixate on for several years. Since we've met, really. Mm-hmm. This is always what she's been after. Mm-hmm. Or so we presume. Because that's... Like, even how yeah. they met. Like, yeah. Um, so she has found someone who may be able to remedy her infertility in exchange mm-hmm. for a golden dragon. Yep. Not sure how they plan to transfer that, but I guess magic stuff. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so the reavers and uh like the dwarves are all sort of strategizing, like, okay, who's going at the dragon next? Mm-hmm. Um and Geralt is like getting ready basically to go into battle because yeah. he sort of made up his mind. Um he did like part on sort of a bad like usual he did say something that upset yen he Mm. was like yen was like trying to sort of manipulate him into doing this for her Mm -hmm. and she was like you know i'm prepared to like forgive you i'm prepared to let bygones be bygones Mm -hmm. if you do this thing for me and Geralt is like we're not on that ledge anymore like that moment's over yen instead of like hitting or yelling at him is basically just really hurt yeah yeah even though she was being manipulative, it yeah. still really hurt he to hear him say that. He basically like, yeah, the moment's over. Like, um, so I think at this point when he's like sort of tightening up his uh, like fighting belt mm-hmm. and like getting his sword ready, he is prepared to make amends with Yen in any way that he can. And he has said, well, if she wants the golden dragon and that's the way to do well, it, then so be it. I'm going to make it, it up is. to her. Yep. However... Um, He's sort of cut off mm-hmm. um, by this giant clusterfuck that happens mm-hmm. in the camp. So everyone's like going at each other because... They're all fighting over who gets to fight the dragon next. Yes. Um, and and then everyone has a their... huge caravan of armed guard that shows up. Right. 
Um, everyone's trying to figure out the order in which they're going to take on the dragon now. Mm-hmm. Um, the reavers and the dwarves really just want to go at him at this point because they, they've had experience taking down dragons. Mm-hmm. Gillenstiern is asking the king, like, what do you think we should do? And King Nidamir, the boy king, is like saying, finally, you ask what I think. Well, I think this dragon's not worth it. And I think that I actually don't need this dragon to control the territory. I've already controlled it militarily. Um, and you know what? I'm just going to poison the princess. And like, I've learned so much from everyone. Like, Sheep poison guy shows up like, hey, uh, I know a guy. <laughs> I can do you solid. Yeah. Um, so, so King Nidamir has become King Joffrey level, like psychotic. Mm. And he's like, I just want to turn around and go home, basically. Mm-hmm. And so the whole, like, royal caravan leaves. Mm-hmm. And then everyone who was previously already fighting is left to their own devices. Mm-hmm. So Geralt is preparing to go and attack the dragon because he had gotten into a fight with Yen. And now he sort of wants to make good on it. Mm-hmm. He realizes this is maybe the only way he has of recovering what happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a Dandelion and Geralt have a brief conversation where, um, Geralt is like, well, what do you think about killing this dragon? And Dandelion is like, you know, most times I don't really mind like slaying dragons. And I think it's a good ballad, but like Geralt, this one's really pretty. <laughs> I thought that was a funny I, comment. I like that line too. Um, so before Geralt is able to ride into battle like he wanted to do, Dorgray steps in and he's like, I will not let anyone touch the dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just causes all hell to break loose. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone starts attacking everyone. Uh, Yen is attacking Dorgray. Mm-hmm. Um, the dwarves are attacking Dorgray. Geralt is jumping in, um, trying to find out like, what side he's on here because mm-hmm. it's very murky and there's yep. everyone's agendas are very weird. Um, so Yen then like casts a spell on Geralt, Dandelion, and Dorgray. Mm-hmm. And they all like sort of get um, momentarily disabled and then like immobilized. Mm. And then she turns to the dwarves and like the reavers and was like, Hey, look, I did you a solid, like they're tied up now. And like, now you can do what you want with it. Um, but just so you know, I am going to take the dragon out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, the dwarves then like turn on Yen. They double cross her. Yeah. They're like, okay, thanks for taking care of like, yeah, you took care of the people that probably would have protected you. So yeah. Yeah. And so Yen is tied up now. Mm -hmm. So, Everyone but the Reavers and the Dwarves are disabled now. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, now's our moment. And they, they go out to um, attack the dragon. Mm-hmm. It's here that um, the dragon just shows up. And he's like, no, no, hey, I've I, come to you. I, I, you guys kind of forgot about me. But I I'm, I'm tired of waiting while, but, yeah. and I, I'm really mm-hmm. done with it. It's here that they realize that the dragon actually has a dragonling with it. Mm-hmm. There is a small grayish, greenish dragon with it. 
Mm -hmm. um, that's flying alongside. And um, it's here that Geralt and everyone realizes, hey, this is what the dragon was protecting all along. Yeah, yeah, the dragon, like, pretty much takes out the Reavers and the dwarves in short Mm -hmm. order. He just knocks them all over. And everyone is terrified. Mm -hmm. Yarp and Zegrin is, like, running for the hills. Mm -hmm. So, really, they pose no threat to him. So this is where all of the reinforcements from Sheepbaggers Town, this is where the town where the dragon originally attacked show up. Um, and they encircle the dragon and are able to like throw a net mm-hmm. over the golden dragon. Um, the dragonling like starts to show up and is hanging out with um, Yen, Geralt, Dandelion, and Dorgray who are mm-hmm. tied up. And that's kind of cute. I want my own little dragonling. Yeah. I mean, I think we all do. Um, the Zeracanians actually show up as the golden dragon is encircled by nets and mm-hmm. everyone's sort of like, huh? Um, and that's when like the pieces start coming together. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the golden dragon is three jackdaws. We haven't seen him in a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Like we thought he died, but I mm-hmm. guess not. Um, so the Zeracanians are, are coming out and just like start murdering a bunch of people it's Mm -hmm. really not even like hard for them yeah yen at this point is like use igni on me which is the Mm -hmm. the fire sign like fire sign from just like burn off my like the binds on my foot and um she he's like i don't want to hurt you yen and she's like i can take it and so he, Mm -hmm. he does it and she burns her foot but um she gets out there and she actually starts assisting and she does like a she's bunch of silly spells. spells with her foot. <laughs> yeah, she, she casts spells with her foot. I mean, sort of like having a, a Weasley wand or something mm-hmm. where she turns the reinforcements that were with Sheepbagger into like different animals mm-hmm. or like it's like sort of a, a silly series of spells. Mm-hmm. Like, she she transforms one of the wagon's wheels to be square. Mm. Finally, like, everyone is neutralized, and they're able to, um, like, everyone gets killed that was in the caravan. Mm. And um, everyone else is an animal now, so enjoy that. Didn't even think about it, but that's introducing a lot of invasive species to this part of the world. It really is, actually. So the dragon then, um, in a a spot of irony, actually eats the sheepbagger. So RIP to a real one. Yep. Yep. Pour one out for sheepbagger. Sheep poison guy. He had a lot of great ideas, but most of them were sheep poison related. Yes. Um, So after... He's a visionary. He's a visionary. Um, So after the the threat is behind them, the Zeracanians confront Yennefer, and behind them is three jackdaws in the Mm -hmm. human form. So as... The Zeracanians were about to uh, like attack Yen because they thought she was not on their side. Um, Three Jackdaws is like, don't touch her. She actually like tried to to really help toward the end, mm-hmm. and so it is revealed that Three Jackdaws was the Golden Dragon all along. Mm-hmm. He was protecting the Dragon Wing, of course, as we had already found out, mm-hmm. and that the dragon who had attacked the town earlier. Um, had called on him for help. Mm -hmm. And as a reward, she's left the treasure. It's here where we come back to, you know, the bounds of possibility. Like, Mm -hmm. what are the limits of possibility? 
that is a recurring theme, whether we're talking about Yennefer's infertility or we're talking about whether a golden dragon can exist mm. or whether we're talking about like maybe the future legitimacy of Yennefer and Geralt's relationship. Mm. Because before the golden dragon leaves and is about to fly off into that sunset, he says, you know, I can see what's between you and mm. you were made for each other, Geralt mm. and Yennefer but nothing's going to come of it. Mm. And Yennefer says, I know, mm -hmm. but I want to believe that there are no limits to what is possible. Mm. Before he leaves, um, there's a funny little exchange between uh, Geralt and Vea. And uh, Geralt says, Vea, you were right. He is the most beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, but not before Three Jack Dodds is like, Vea asked me to tell you, Geralt, she had a really good time that night at the inn. Um, and Yennefer's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> um, and also, Geralt and Yennefer make up, they kiss, and mm. they're apparently back together for a little yeah. while. And that concludes our very convoluted summary for the night. So we had our, we had our summary there. So I do really love this story um, because it does feel like a, just kind of a fun, high-flying adventure tale. It, it kind of has a lot of those kind of fun Indiana Jones-ish, a lot of classic D&D themes in here. I mean, they even have the, you know, the the actual like D&D &D dragon bestiary. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's all even exactly the same. Like, um, you know, you have like you even have the you even have the, the different colored dragons and that they have, it, it even uh, alludes to that there there's different effects of the dragons. You know, green ones have like an acid spray, uh, red ones have fire, black ones have like just shadow magic kind of thing. It's not really, oh, are you talking about D&D? &D? Well, yeah, I'm, so like in D&D &D, that, that is like oh. how they, how they, you know, how they That's play. That's cool. Yeah. They actually do talk about that. Uh, there's a there's a brief little like one line quip dialogue um, where he mentions like, oh yeah, you know, well, what is the, what is the gold dragon spray? Yeah, yeah, um, that is a question. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think a gold dragon uh, would spray? It, you know, that was actually a good question. Um, I and you like, know what would be cool so, if the gold dragon had like actual like molten gold. Actually, spread. so I, I was going to say, like, if I was the DM, that's actually probably what I would play it as. I don't know. I think there is a canon um, in one of the monster manuals somewhere. Like, so there is actually, there are, there is a, gold dragons are very, very rare in the D&D mm -hmm. &D universe as well. There is the god of all dragons, which is Tiamat, um, who is a multi-headed dragon, each, like, of several different colors, huh. um, one of them being gold. But I think, it, like I said, I think if I were the if I were the DM and I didn't necessarily know, I'd be like, you know what? It makes sense. Uh, you know, it makes me feel better to know that you had the same reaction, the same initial thought, like molten gold. Yeah, like what else would a gold so dragon cool. like shoot out, like spray? Like what would their dragon breath be? Does it match? Like what else would it be? Yeah, I mean, like, like maybe spiders. Yeah, I, I don't maybe spiders. <laughs> Um, no, like I mean, that would like, be the most terrifying thing to most people. So like, yeah, like, cause like dragon fire is already really hot. So like, you can't just say like, well, it's hotter dragon fire. It's like, very, very hot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could, but like, Ooh, I mean, it could be blue. Like it could just well, be blue. I was kind of thinking that, but then like what, what differentiates it like elementally? Yeah. It's like, 
other than just being, oh, it's fire that's really hot, but it's blue. It's fire that's on fire. It's fire that's on fire. The fire is on fire. And it's shooting at us. Um, so. Oh, gosh. But yeah, I think I think a molten gold spray would actually be kind of fun. Ooh, you could even have like a like a mild like magical effect of like a Midas touch, um, where like anything that it encounters actually like, um, if it's a living thing, has to like make some type of saving throw. Otherwise, it turns to gold by ostensibly being coated in molten gold. Yeah. Um, ooh. That's cool. I like that mechanic, actually. Well, because you, then, you've gotten a lot of good ideas for yeah, yeah. Campaign. Well, I was gonna say because like then there's things you could do with it as well. Like okay, well maybe you have like the wizard, you know, shoot like a frost blast that like kind of cools it down, and then then it's just like pellets of gold that's being shot at people. Well, anyways, I, going a little like, too into the weeds on mechanics well, of gold dragons here. We're about to introduce our drink, but what mm-hmm. I really like about this story is that it's probably the most like formulaic fantasy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. story there is. Um, at least like if we're thinking about the regular story of like hero goes and defeats a dragon. Of yeah, course I it mean, has a really yeah, big like... twist, but um, this is the classic fantasy story. Yeah, yeah it, yes, it's it, it is big, big, scary monster that is evil, or at least you think is evil. Um, hero rises to the occasion, defeats monster. Um, it's very like it is a very linear story. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's like a, a clavicade of like a clavicade of carousel. That's a redundant statement, isn't it? A clavicade of characters. That's a really hard to say. <laughs> it's very hard to say. There's a clavicade of characters yeah. um, that sort of just pop in and out of the middle section of the story mm-hmm. that really aren't that important. Like they they build they fill a little bit of backstory. They kind of like they do things. They they kind of exist. They have motivations. They're actually very very well fleshed out. Almost more fleshed out than they need to be for a bunch of like characters that either get murdered within the first fifteen minutes of meeting the dragon or carry no weight outside of this bottle episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, let let us open our drink so, because we're going to discuss more later. Yes, you are correct. Um, so, uh, so our drink for tonight is um, Golden Drock, uh, which is a Belgian triple. Um, by Brewery van Stenberg. Um, it is a very beautiful golden triple Belgian ale. Um, I have had this beer before. Um, it is actually like my third or fourth favorite beer of all time. However, Alexa has not. No. Nope. And it is literally, so it is a golden dragon. Um, and the the emblem for it uh, on the very front of the logo or the very top of the emblem is the logo is a golden dragon statue that is modeled after a after a so there there is so I, I don't believe it's in one of the stave churches but it is there is a a, a statue of a dragon um, in a scandy place of worship from the early 1100s uh and it has in the very front of it and very top of the altar is a big stone dragon um and it is the it is the logo that we have on the on the front of the bottle here 
this is probably the most no-brainer drink yeah, pairing it was kind ever. Of like, like I, I usually like to try and go like I try and to do something a little bit deeper in terms of the metaphor of the drink that we're drinking. But this one is too easy. It's 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 a little too easy. It's like golden draw. Yeah, it's... yeah. So like like with the 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 genie one, you know, I like to do the the marionette because it's you know, uh, or I like for the final episode we did the we did the thousand stories and it was a bottle, you know, it was a bourbon barrel age. This is literally okay. It's it's in the name. This is the name of the st- borderline. The name of the story. <laughs> like okay, let's just do, drink this. It's delicious, and I've had it before. So, mm-hmm. but like I said, Alexa has never had this, so I think that still means we can still do it. Yeah, I I really love triples and Belgian mm. style beers. So the fact that I haven't had this is actually pretty fun mm-hmm. for this show, at least. I've I've actually been very excited to to adventure into this beer with you. So. Oh. Ooh, that was a nice pop. Okay, yeah, I think I think it warmed up a little bit in my. I in think so too. <laughs> so it came off the, the cork came off real easy. Um, so this is uh, has a tertiary bottle fermentation. This has a tertiary bottle fermentation on it. So even after, so it, it goes through primary fermentation um, to to get the initial alcohol in it. Uh, it goes through a secondary fermentation after they add some more sugar to it. After that, they put it in a bottle um, and then add uh, bottling sugar to it. Mm. Um, the bottling sugar uh, ensures that it gets nice and carbonated in the bottle. Um, and that is what a lot of home brewers do when they're trying to actually carbonate their beer oh. in a bottle. That's really cool. Um, so I know we've, we've brewed before, but we've only ever done kegging. Um, because it is substantially easier than bottling. But yeah, so if if you are uh, if you are if your bottle if you're bottle fermenting, um, you have to add a little bit more sugar to it um, so that it'll actually because when you when you have it in a sealed container, um, the the yeast then ferments out further, but the gas has nowhere to go but diffuse into the into the beer. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of what this does with the cork. So cheers. Cheers. So we'll smell it first. Ooh. Yep, a lot of candy. Very malty. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the one of the key characteristics of Belgian styles is that you add candy sugar to it, mm-hmm. and it's literally like it's literally rock candy, um, like it's just very very malty, um, like candy crystals that are big chunks of sugar, um, and that's how you get that really really high sugar content that then uh, ferments out to make a really really high alcohol content. Mm-hmm. Ooh. One of the other things too, so Belgians usually have a very strong yeast profile, um, which is where you get the kind of banana-y smell yeah. from them or like a pear. Those are the yeast esters that come out. Right. Um, and this actually doesn't have a whole lot of that, but I suspect that's because maybe a lot of the yeast might die off from the high the high alcohol content. Mm. So yeah. this is like 10.5%, um, which is very high for a beer. Um it's a very nice amber color. Mm-hmm. It's a, a red Belgian, right? Yep, so yep. it's not like the champagne-y sort of color yeah, that a yep. lot of Belgians are. Yeah, I think um, I may have called it a blonde Belgian earlier, but I was incorrect in that. But yeah. But I mean, it's really nice. Like it's very, very intensely sugary, of course, mm-hmm. like yep, because like of what Belgian you mentioned. Um, but just really rich, robust, mm-hmm. um, a good multi taste throughout which i love a little roasty 
Yep. So the and the red color is coming from a like a red wheat grain too, um, which gives it a little bit more of a cereally of a taste like a cereal. Um, so that's where you get that kind of like um, that kind of like I don't want to call it Cheerio, but like it has like a bready taste. Yeah, no, I, a, I get that. A good like whole grain bread type. Or like flavor. a rye bread kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that the red and the rye are very very similar in their in their flavor profiles. I do really like this. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, we'll be having this again. Mm-hmm. It is a fantastic one, and you can usually find it most places too. So I I would highly recommend it. So should we get into our discussion? Yeah, certainly. Um, so where do we want to start? Let's start at the top, I guess. One of the things that I really, really enjoyed about uh, a, a portion at the very beginning of this is where Geralt talks about, or actually it was Borch uh-huh. and or three jackdaws, whatever you want to call him. Golden dragon guy challenges Geralt. Um, he challenges Geralt that you've never seen something. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you know that it doesn't exist? Um right. Which is a very, and, and Geralt brings up the idea of basically zebras existing somewhere in Zircania. Um Yeah, he says, I, I know that horses with black and white stripes exist somewhere in Zeracania. Mm-hmm. Um, golden dragons are the same as that, though. It's not because I haven't seen it. It's because I know it's a legend. So, yeah, this, this touches very heavily on the idea of empiricism, um, which is the, the absolute nature of truth. Um, what, how do you actually define something to be true? Mm. Um, and zebras are a decent example of that. Actually, the, the author, uh, Anse, our buddy here, does a really good job of bringing in a very good analogy for it. Because the idea of a zebra is very unusual. Right. Um, if you were to describe a zebra to somebody who didn't know that they existed, they would think you were making something up. Um, the only reason that I myself know that they exist, like know that they exist is because I have seen them. I have been to a zoo that's had them. Um, yeah, realistically. Um, and like you get down to this, the idea of like, what do you accept as a fact? If someone were to show you a picture of a zebra, do you believe that to be a true fact just because you've seen a picture? Who is and a lot of it comes down to the idea of who's presenting the picture. Mm-hmm. What is their motivations for, for presenting that? And I'm I'm gonna relate a lot of this. It's a big, deep, arching philosophical concept that I'm actually using a lot of like biological examples for. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the, a very similar thing happened to early explorers of Australia uh, when they first discovered the platypus. Um, they sent. Uh, taxidermied examples of it back to um, the Royal Academy in London. Yeah. Um, and people didn't believe that it was a real animal. They felt that they ha- they they thought that it was someone like cobbling together <laughs> chunks of other animals. Um, and scientists have actually done that throughout time, though. There, there have been... <laughs> you look at the brontosaurus is a good example of that, actually. It's a different dinosaur's head on another dinosaur's body. But, you know, and so in that case, like, would you accept the the platypus as being a real thing? Would you accept this golden dragon existing? And or would you accept it as a as a mythology? Um, another another good example is the the coelacanth, um, which is a, a prehistoric fish um, that was thought to have gone extinct 100 million years ago. Right. Um, they as of five or six, maybe 10 years ago at this point, 
um, found it in uh, fishermen, uh, several fishermen's nets in off the coast of Africa. Right. Um, that it does still exist. It's still out there. So, and I think uh, at least in Geralt's case, uh, he gets back to his means of 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 defining what he accepts as true. Right. Is either um, some sort of physical, tangible evidence of a thing existing. Um, or at least a strong enough, reputable word from someone he trusts to be true. Um, and we don't really get into the details of what his, his definition is here. Um, but it, it definitely appears to be something kind of concrete. I'm assuming yeah. the only reason he believes that these, these horses uh, with black stripes exist are because he's probably seen hides um, he probably knows people who have killed them, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think it's also that Geralt is a witcher and his business is monsters and beasts. So mm, mm-hmm. I think that's why he has a little bit more like ownership about like understanding what exists and what doesn't. And mm-hmm. we've actually seen him do this before mm-hmm. um, at the edge of the world mm-hmm. when he's talking to the villagers who yeah, are... Yep discussing all of these beasts and like maladies and yeah yeah uh, creatures that don't really exist like Geralt is able to really easily suss out what's real and what's fake yeah but um this whole theme which we'll get into a little bit more later about like what is possible Mm -hmm. and what what are the bounds of possibility yeah comes up again and again and we learned that Geralt is not always right about mm-hmm. what is possible. Yeah, yeah. And, and because there, there is, and I think Blorch's or Three Jackdaws uh, counter to that is very, is very good in that he talks about how like there's generally some type of truth at the root of every myth, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and we do, we do kind of see a lot of that in, in the real world as well. Is that like, like manatees and mermaids? Yes, uh, that that's a perfect example. Actually, once again, I, I don't know why we can't get away from, or at least I can't get away from biology examples. But but that's um, a good one because yes, yes, like okay, you could see where people would get that, especially yeah, sailors see who have been, been out, out without sea seeing for anybody for a while, a year and a half, and haven't seen another human being. Yeah, there's that. There's a lady out in that water. Uh, you, sure, you go okay. a little bit nutty out at sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. but I think it's like you can't really tell what's real and what's true, like because other people have other experiences. Mm-hmm. Geralt knows, like all of us know. Okay, there's not a Bigfoot, right? Like because Do we <laughs> so uh, many of us think there is no Bigfoot, <laughs> but um like someone else might say differently, right? Yeah, yeah. This would be sort of a discussion between us and someone who really believes in Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. And and that it's one of those things where like me personally, I don't necessarily think that there is is a Bigfoot. Um, but if someone were to come up with really really irrefutable proof that like there was a species of like greater ape that lived in, you know, the Pacific Northwest that was very, very endangered. And there were only like 10 examples of it in the whole world. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be completely outside of the realm of possibility for me. Yeah. Um, and I could see it as a, as a feasible, once again, there could be some actual truth or an actual concrete explanation for it kind of thing. We don't know that there's no Loch Ness monster 
but we're pretty sure there isn't. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop the legend from persisting. Yes. Yeah. But like a lot of people will say, okay, that's just stories. Mm-hmm. But there's always going to be a lot of people who are like, no, those aren't stories. Yeah. They're I believe actually in like a hundred percent. Like, no, I believe all of it. Like I, I know, I know a guy who like uh, was kidnapped by Bigfoot for six months. Okay. okay. It was me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's really fun about this conversation in retrospect is that he is actually debating with the gold dragon himself. Yeah, so... actually, and, and that is that is definitely one of the fun things about this story. Right. So it's like he is debating on whether this gold dragon exists with the gold with dragon. With the gold dragon, So yeah. I love that about it. Three Jackdaws is such a fun character. Yes, I... I, I... He makes me it makes me really sad that we don't actually see him in any other stories because he's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you want to have a friend like three jackdaws that oh, pays yeah. for everything and just well, is yeah, there for God. a good time. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. damn, he brings the party. Yes, you know? he does. Yep, I want to know a gold dragon. I really enjoy this conversation about what are the limits of possibility mm-hmm. because it's applied to so many different things mm-hmm. in the yep. story. Uh what are the limits of possibility with what can exist in the world? Mm-hmm. What are the limits of possibility when it comes to Yennefer's infertility? What are the limits of possibility when it comes to uh, Geralt's getting forgiveness for mm-hmm. what he did mm-hmm. to Yennefer? That's that's a good point that I hadn't really even thought of. Is it, that is yeah. that a possibility? And I think like the point is always you never know. Yeah. Yep. Um, until you see it yourself, mm-hmm. like. So at the end, they see the golden dragon for themselves. So they know that this exists, but mm-hmm. would anyone believe them really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so really the limits of possibility are re- are only what you can experience yourself. So only yes. you yourself know what the limits of possibility are. And so one of the, one of the posits to empiricism and the question of the nature of truth and reality and objective reality is Descartes' theory of I think therefore I am, which is the only idea, the only thing that I can be sure of is that I, my brain, my consciousness exists because it's the only thing that I know in this world is me and that I can empirically say, yes, I exist. Ah, a fellow philosophy 101 attendee. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes I'm, I, I, I've, I took my philosophy 101. Thank you very much. I did too. <laughs> I <know. laughs> um, but it, I, I have always enjoyed... I hate it when I hate it when like college courses and and just teaching in general teaches concepts in a vacuum, um, which is one of the reasons why I like critical theory and I like things that don't normally associate with each other and associating. Yeah, it's a good description of this chapter because it's taking things that are disparate and tying them together. Yes. So this whole theme about what is possible mm-hmm. can be applied to so many different situations in this mm-hmm. chapter. And there are so many like moving parts. Yes, there's a lot of moving. Well, there's a lot of moving carousel of characters, but. And I and I actually really did love what they did with uh, the traveling scene where they had Geralt interacting with all of these different characters, and they seem to be coming around, like almost checking in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like there's mm-hmm. Gillenstier, and there's uh, Yennefer, there's Dorgray, there's three Jackdaws, so. You're getting all of um, these different interactions between people. I did want to touch on 
the tragic circumstances of oh, our boy. Okay, yeah, him too. <laughs> but our boy Geralt mm-hmm. did Yennefer dirty. He did. Like, what he, the hell, man? He did. Like, he did. What was going on with he you? He went out for lottery scratchers, man. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, what the hell? You, like, you couldn't even say goodbye. Yeah. I, so I, and I was kind of, I was kind of trying to, I was thinking on this a good bit. So I, I don't know if, if we end up finding out more about what happened later on in the books. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming we probably may find out a little bit more. I'm also assuming that Geralt may have been feeling. I think this is at the point where they were still under the wish. Um, and Geralt may have been feeling that, like, Yennefer may only be with me right now for the wish. I don't know. So the wish is, they're under the wish the whole time in the books. I okay. don't think that is a thing until the video game, if we consider the video game canon, which I okay. do. But um, And they bounce around with timeline all the time. So that could take place so, at any point during their timeline. So I, I think what Geralt says at some point is basically he felt smothered in the relationship okay um but i think what it is is that Geralt and yennefer could never be 70 percent on it's always like 150 percent on you know yeah yeah like it's always very intense mm-hmm. yes and when you're always on like that it's very very hard to feel like you can do anything else yes yeah and i think why Geralt left even though he was like honestly a fucking bastard for mm-hmm. doing this um, because I'd love to marry you, Yennefer, but the law says I can't. I can't. Ow, ow, ow. Uh, <laughs> Free bird. I think that, I mean, Geralt is a commitment phobe, but also I think that, like, Geralt always runs away from his fate. Yeah, yes. Always. But like, then always ends up back at it anyways. So whether that's Siri or whether that's Yennefer, he mm-hmm. always runs away from it mm-hmm. because even though he wants to be there, even though he wants to see what's behind that door he physically can't open it. Yes. It's like... He has to have the door opened for him. And also, he's sort of like... He's like an outside cat, you know? like Yes. He, <laughs> that's, that's a really great way to describe Geralt. He doesn't know where he's going, but mm-hmm. he wants the ability to roam. Yeah. And yep. if he's settling down with Yennefer in Vengerberg, mm-hmm. he's going to be in Vengerberg forever. Can he really... Yeah. Or like... You know, he's going to be with her forever. It's a it's a big commitment. Can he really, like, commit himself to that? So that's my theory on why he left. But what do you think? Well, so one of the other things, too, I think I think you may be right. It may have been, like, a little bit of a free bird kind of kind of moment. You know, you got to crank the eight track, you know, cut your mullet back and take the T-tops off the off the IROC and just ride out with that 305. Um, oh, my God. But it may also be, it may also be a little bit based on the fact that we don't know where these things take place in their timeline. Um, he may have realized that he may have had to go find Siri at that point. Um, I don't think so. But I don't think that that's necessarily what it is because I feel like that's something that he probably would have said. Um, and it also doesn't explain why he didn't say goodbye. I mean, I maybe maybe the not saying goodbye thing is just he's just bad at goodbyes and that's just what happens. Yeah, I think he's bad at goodbyes, but I also think it just got too real for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I could actually absolutely see it getting too real for him. And I think Geralt and Yennefer 
like I said, I think they just hurt each other because that's all they've known. Yeah. I did we I can't remember if we talked about this. I I always like the description of them as being two people who don't understand tenderness but try to emulate being tender to each other. You're literally quoting from The Last Wish right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a line from when they first like hooked up. Yeah. They I I keep saying hooked up like I'm in middle school. When they first had sex. They did. They, they rolled in the hay. That, that is what um, Anse said, is like, even though they never experienced tenderness, they very much tried for each other. Yeah. These are two people that have never experienced love trying to be in an adult relationship. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't work out that well because you've never seen a template of it before. Yeah, yes, because they're making, they're, they're building the airplane as they're flying it. So... It's- there's going to be some bumps in the road and I'm not trying to say that like them hurting each other is okay yeah, no. or what they did is okay. <laughs> Guys, it's... just stay, stay together. You know, it'll all work out. No, no, that's not, that's not what we're saying here. I think that in order for this relationship to work, they have to break up a few times. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like they hurt each other. They need to break up. They need some distance. Mm-hmm. Like, they keep doing this to each other, and unfortunately, the next chapter we occur. The next chapter that's going to be Yennefer hurting Geralt. Yeah, yeah. And we're not going to feel so bad for Yennefer anymore. Yeah. But this is going to happen again and again until they get to this point where they realize just like love each other. Damn it! It's like yeah. difficult <laughs> people. Um, not difficult people. It's like um, normal people Mm -hmm. where you're just like, just love each other already. Yeah. Like you want so badly for them to just freaking just be together, together, just love each other. But they won't. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like in 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 a lot of those types of things. A lot of times there's some self-sabotaging there. Actually, we don't see a ton of self-sabotaging from these two. Um, maybe it's just at this point in the in the story, but like, um, it mostly happens like off, off like, camera. Not for lack like, of a yeah. better description, it mostly happens like when the story is not happening. Yeah, but we do see one example here, mm-hmm. and that's when Geralt says something to purposely hurt Yennefer. Yeah, yeah. He says we're not on that like ledge anymore. Yeah, we're not on the ledge anymore. That moment, moment's over. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was to purposefully hurt her. Yeah. And one of the other things too, I was I was gonna say was that like, and this isn't this isn't usually a good philosophy for figuring things out in a relationship, but sometimes in order to find in life, a lot of times, sometimes in order to find out what does work, we have to see what doesn't work. Um, I would say that's a better philosophy to take with like a job or like a buying a house. Not always a relationship, but sometimes sometimes you learn things the hard way. Not to make it too personal, but John Merck, you have been divorced, so that is true. <laughs> maybe maybe that is something. That's that why I'm saying like maybe <laughs> maybe don't maybe don't try and figure it out in a relationship. Sorry to call you out. Like no, that. no, you're fine. Um, I was trying not to point fingers, but you know. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it, like it, it's not a great philosophy for a relationship, but like. Sometimes you do need to find out what doesn't work in order to figure out what does work. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, but 
I think we've talked a lot about like our favorite couple. We need to move on to mm-hmm. Eek of Denezla. Oh God, yes. Our favorite boy. Eek. Like, so please say your like catchphrase about lawful good because lawful I think- good is lawful great. <laughs> <laughs> So that made me laugh so much throughout this yes, because, <laughs> oh my God, this guy is a tool. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, so being, so we're going to get into a little bit of like hardcore, like D&D nerd dumb as if we haven't already done that. <laughs> um, talking about you know, the different types of dragons through the last 20 minutes. Um, I know what I'm about, son. <laughs> All right. That's fine um i've never claimed to be anything other than a gigantic nerd so um dealing with like a like a lawful good character um especially like a so you can have two types of lawful good characters in most story settings in most D whatever fantasy worlds even non-fantasy worlds you can have usually two types um you can have a religiously motivated lawful good character or you can have a just upstanding moral code lawful good character ned stark yes actually um ned stark is not super religious or a paladin but he is someone who has a moral rigid code rigid moral code and will not disobey it for anything ned stark is actually a perfect example of a of a lawful good character because they're they're so staunchly entrenched in their moral code um that it becomes a hindrance right mm-hmm. um and and he puts his family in danger yes. by sticking <laughs> he to his moral code endangers his family and people around him because of his adherence to this code yes. um and they the problem is, is that they usually end up like ruining parties <laughs> And not so. Can can I get into a slight diversion here? Go for it. Go for it. So when we did our D and D campaign with a couple of friends, um, there was a member of the party who was a paladin. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like kind of a funny experience mm-hmm. where like we ended up all like ganging up on the paladin, mm-hmm. and he like at one point like tried to sacrifice some really like cute creatures that followed him. Yes, he had a he had a a. a, a company of goblins that had anointed him as their king he had a very brave one that jumped into his arms he decided that it was important imperative (laughs) to walk it over to like a sacrificial altar that had a like an eternal flame on it and toss the little trusting goblin like critter into the sacrificial flame that wasn't even to his own deity paladins are the worst they really are um well that was also a, a lawful good paladin that was played by a chaotic an asshole <laughs> jerk. I, I i love him he's not actually a jerk but I, play, i'm not i'm not saying that he is personally Jerkish an character i'm just saying I, I that love he, it. he plays an yes. asshole for sure and he's he's very good at it and he's very fun to play with for that reason but i did make him change his character alignment after that <laughs> because he's not no you're not that um yeah, so they, they, they often end up ruining parties because, and they end up ruining experiences and they end up ruining storylines because they they get in the way 
um they frankly just just get in the way and like they can be done well and they can and i think this is actually a good example of like a of a plot and like an author doing a lawful good character very well because of the fact that they just kill him off (laughs) they kill him off and he's kind of the butt of a joke like dead but he's pretty useless he is removed from the storyline and that's all that matters Eek has left the group chat. Eek has, in fact, left the group chat. Eek logged off and never returned. <laughs> um, Good game uninstall. I I actually really love him in the book more than I like him in the TV series because I, I don't remember him in the TV. I don't uh, really series, remember but... him either. But in the TV series, they actually say that like Yennefer came with Eek. Okay. Um. Whereas here, he's just on his own. Yeah. But like. I do share Geralt's annoyance with him because, mm-hmm. like, everyone who has a skill and then has someone who offers that skill for free yes. understands that yes. sheer hatred. It's like, dude, <laughs> I have to make a living. Yes. And you're, like, going out there like, I want to do it for honor. And yeah. it's like, no, fuck you. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. We'll pay you an exposure. Yeah, sure. And, um... I, I loved his like little speech like before he rode off to the yeah it, that it was is great. um it's it's a little bit long for us to have like verbatim quoted oh it in God. here um but it, the tears of virgin <laughs> honestly like it, even if you're not really that super interested in the overarching plot line of like the Witcher series even if you're not like super in love with high fantasy I highly recommend just at least this short story. Oh, it's um, really good. It's it's worth just a read through. It's about 80 pages, would you say? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, 80 pages, like almost exactly. Yeah, and it, it, it's really well self-contained. Um, you kind of, you don't really need to have a deep understanding of the characters, but yeah, give it a, give it a read through. It's, it's definitely a lot of fun. And um, further, I would say if you're on the fence about like, should I read this whole series? Because it's a big commitment. It's mm-hmm. like seven books. I would read uh, The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny because um, they're short stories. Mm. So they're um, capsules and they're not going to, like, if you don't want to read after one short story, you don't Mm -hmm. have to. Or you can read it, like, honestly, if you wanted to, you could read some of them out of order. Yeah. Like, especially in Sword of Destiny, it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, also because we keep harping on this, but the chronology bounces around. So like they kind of don't really matter what order you read them in because they're out of order chronologically anyways. So, and there's no voice of reason here. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I mean, actually it's better because it's less to cover, but I do miss the neck. And I yeah, do miss, yeah. uh, her, uh, Frank combos with Geralt yeah. laying some hot tea on Geralt. So, so where we leave it, um, is, Basically, Geralt and Yennefer together. Mm-hmm. And uh, long live Geralt for. Yeah, so so they're together for now. Mm-hmm. That's only going to be important because as we transition into the next chapter, we're going to want to keep that in mind. Yeah. So what what is the what oh. is the next chapter that we're covering? I I can see the pain like creeping across your face, anyways. So the next chapter we're going to cover is a shard of ice. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it even sounds rough. Oh, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Okay. But it is a relationship study. Oh, okay. And if you've ever seen the movie like Blue Valentine. I have not, uh, but David Lynch? 
Oh, it's right. not David Lynch. You're thinking of Blue Velvet. You're right. Um, but Blue Valentine is about... Isabella Rossellini? No, that's still Blue Velvet. Um, okay. So Blue <laughs> Valentine is about a couple that's like breaking up, but very slowly and very, very painfully. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the equivalent of that. And I don't okay. want to give too much away because I don't really want to. And I think we're going to have plenty to cover. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like enjoy the nice Geralt and Yennefer moments while yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy- You're not going to find those for a little while. Enjoy the fun, high-spirited D&D adventure type thing. And now. know that if you feel bad for Yennefer this chapter, mm. you're not going to feel bad for her next chapter. Yeah. Even though I am a hardcore Geralt and Yennefer shipper, this chapter is really tough for us. And I, I, I really like I've I've read the like threads on Reddit, the mm-hmm. support groups mm-hmm. almost, so to speak. <laughs> and uh it it's really hard for, for us. So yeah, I'm not looking forward to it, but it's a good short story. I'm not saying it's not well written, but it's it's rough. It, it's gonna be a hard one to get through. It's rough. All right. Well, I think the fire's getting a little low. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's getting a little cold in here actually. <laughs> Suddenly, yeah. Um, it is It is about 45 degrees uh, outside, at least, and we don't have heat yeah. on, so. But uh, I am John Mark. And I'm Alexa. And good night. Good night. Dragon